0: Hello everybody and welcome to Gaming in the Wild A video games podcast about games from the interesting, artistic side of the tracks From indie to AAA My name's John, I'm your host And this week in Reykjavik, I think since last time um, I did a show last week um, The earthquakes that I talked about here in Iceland that we were feeling every day Have erupted into a volcano We have a volcanic eruption happening Just 20 kilometers or so from the city. Um, There are some quite amazing pictures coming out of it, actually. It's pretty amazing to see. There have been people flying over at night in helicopters, taking photographs and taking film. It's just the most wonderful thing to see, you know. You can see the glow of the volcano on the horizon from, from where I live, pretty much. Um, And it's just something really special to be living that close to, like, a huge natural event of that type. Kind of amazing. I will post some pictures from that eruption in uh, the show's Discord group, and maybe on Twitter as well, if you're interested in that sort of thing. So it's been interesting times over here in Iceland. Um, I've had a, a packed week of gaming, as well as following all of the uh, the volcano news and checking that the wind isn't blowing in our direction, bringing gas into the city. Uh, when that happens, we have to close all of the windows and uh, not be outside for too long, wear masks, that kind of thing. It's not dangerous, but um, that gas is coming from deep in the earth and it can contain harmful metals and things like that, so... It's something that we do have to think about. Um, Not that I've been hiding indoors from from the volcanic gas or anything, but I've definitely had some time to play this week. So I've I've been playing a whole bunch of games. I've got a few different games to talk about. Um, I'm going to start off, as usual, with the roundup of what I've been playing, new games that have come onto the review list for the podcast. And then I'm going to review two games that swallowed up most of my time this week. One of them is a classic uh, turn-based strategy game, that has had a new lease of life in this last week because it arrived on Netflix games, meaning anyone with a Netflix subscription and a smart device or a tablet or a phone can download it for free and play it on the touch screen. So everyone's talking about this game again, even though it came out a few years ago now, and that is Into the Breach. The other game that I'm going to talk about this episode is um, a very strange one. It's not a game that I expected to be covering. I tried it out just because it popped onto Game Pass, and, you know, why not? If something comes onto Game Pass and people are talking about it, then you might as well give it a try. Um, so I've actually found myself strangely sucked into this game, which I really did not expect to be my kind of thing, and that is Power Wash Simulator. A game that has kind of come out of nowhere and um, is, is get winning a lot of fans out there. Um, And I'm looking forward to talking about that game today, too. But let's start with the roundup of the week. Um, So I've continued to play Final Fantasy VII Remake. Um, This is a game that I played way back in the day. I played the original. It was a huge game for me. I think I was 20 when it came out, maybe, originally. Um, And I played through it. I remember that it was on a bunch of different CDs, and it was on PlayStation. Um, And it was a a groundbreaking game at the time, so I've I've continued with my playthrough of the remake, and I have to say it's grown on me an awful lot, and I'm so happy about that. I really had my doubts about this game when I started it. Um, There are quite a few fetch quests and quite a few uh, JRPG mechanics and excesses of that genre in the opening section just running around doing basic stuff and repeating things, um, going from A to B and then from B to A and then from A to C and then from C to B and just doing the same thing in the same area again and again and again. Um, And although the game stays linear, it has really... um, Up to the stakes. The story is great. I forgot how good a story Final Fantasy has. Um, The areas that you visit in the game are absolutely brilliant. I just visited the Wall Market, which is this huge, thriving... um, It's a little bit like Pigalle in Paris or something like that. It's like a red light district. Um, and it's quite spectacular. There are crowds everywhere. There is a cabaret. There are gangsters you have to deal with. Um, and some of the original quests from Final Fantasy are in there. And I'd forgotten a lot of this story, and I'm, I'm really enjoying playing a story that feels new um, but also it's just giving me these moments of remembrance and nostalgia for the first playthrough. Like there's a moment where Cloud has to dress up in a certain outfit to progress the story that he doesn't really want to do but it's hilarious and it was handled so well here. So I'm really into that game, Um, although I will say I've stalled on it a little bit because of the two games I'm reviewing this episode. They were supposed to be my little quiet games on the side, and they've really just taken over. So I found myself um, sitting in bed with my iPad playing a few rounds of Into the Breach or after work, just deciding to do a little bit of power washing just to unwind, and then realising I've been in a trance for hours on end, and my game time is basically gone. So Final Fantasy has been a little bit on hold, but now that I'm finishing up those two games, um, I hope to get back to it soon. I also finished a game that I've mentioned before. It's a little game called Lost Words that's been on Game Pass, and I think it might be leaving soon, which is why I decided to try and get it over the finish line. I think I only had an hour of gameplay left to, to finish this one off. I don't think that it merits a whole episode review. Um, it's a very, very simple platforming game, uh, 2D with a hand-drawn, illustrated style. Uh, very rudimentary, very, very simple. There aren't many more simple platforms, platformers than this. It does have a drag-and-drop mechanic, where you play a little girl, and she's writing a fairy tale story. And you play through her levels as she's writing them, and she narrates them. So she imagines a character, and then it appears on the screen. You have words and a little book that you can use to interact with the world. For example, if you drag the word rise from your book onto a door, um, it, it will open. Um, a drawbridge or something like that. Um, if you are in front of a broken bridge, you can drag mend onto it, and it will just reassemble before your eyes so you can proceed. Um, this is a game that I think is pretty squarely aimed at children. It's just a few hours long, um, but it does have a story that that kept me playing, actually. it's um, There's a real-world component to this. So the little girl will be writing her fairy tale, and then she'll go to her diary, and um, you will platform across the pages as she writes. And she's going through some some things in life. She suffers um, a bereavement, and in her diary, she talks about how she's struggling with that. She talks about some doubt and some depression that she's feeling, um, and then she'll try and process those feelings into the fairy tale Um and it's quite an effective mixture, and it's surprisingly serious, given that it is a game that is aimed at kids. But it, it was a very light game, a very easy game. Um, and I would say that if anyone out there plays with kids, be aware of the themes, because um, it is a little serious at times. Um, I could see this game being helpful um, to anyone that has kids who have lost, for example, a grandparent and are upset about that. This could be a good game to sit down and play together, um, to see someone playing out those feelings on the screen. Um, So it's a very simple game, it's a very short game. Um, Not an awful lot to talk about there, it's just pretty pretty simple, but I was impressed by the uh, theme and the story. And I do think that it probably does have a place for any parents who who think that could be useful uh, for their kids. Um, I added a few more games to my list as well. I got a promo for Hindsight. This is a new game from Annapurna Interactive. It's another one of these memory lane type games, like an emotional walk through the past. Um, in this game, the twist is that you can... For example, it's a low-poly, first-person. You look down, you see a cardboard box. You open the box, and inside the box, you can see another scene. So you click on it, and your perspective flies into the box, and you find yourself in a living room. Um, And then you look around the living room, you're looking for something to click on, you see a mirror. You click on that, and then you fly through the mirror. Um, And there's a story being told here. Um, It reminds me a little bit of A Memoir Blue, another Annapurna game that came out earlier this year. I did not like um, A Memoir Blue one bit and did a pretty negative review of it here. But Hindsight um, has better gameplay. It's a little more interesting. Um, It's basically just looking around and then finding the object that you need to click on. But it's a little more fluid... Um, I only played a couple minutes of it to check it out, so it's just my cursory first impression, um, and it left enough of an impression on me to to continue it, so I'll be playing that next week. Um, I've also added Citizen Sleeper's first DLC Flux to my list. Um, Citizen Sleeper is one of the best games released this year. It's quite a spectacular sci-fi RPG with uh, dice mechanics, amazing writing, lovely music. Um, and a really compelling story. So I'm very excited that that DLC has landed. Um, apparently it's only a couple of hours long, so I'm kind of saving it. I think there will be a moment where I, I'm really in the mood to settle down um, and 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 play through that one. It's going to be like a, a rainy Sunday, and Flux will hit the spot. So I'm very excited about that. If you have played Citizen Sleeper, that DLC is available everywhere, um, including Game Pass. And it's the first of three, so we have a whole new story arc to look forward to in Citizen Sleeper that's going to be told in three parts across the remainder of this year. So that's what I've been playing and what I've got coming up. Um, before we get on to the reviews, let me just mention that this show is patron-supported. Um, I have a Patreon for the show at patreon.com slash Wild. Um, there were two new patrons this week, which is always nice to see, so thanks very much to Dave Jackson. Um and thanks very much to the Pre-Order Bonus Podcast, both of whom signed up to support the podcast for a couple of dollars a month. Um, I will say that Dave runs a podcast himself called Tales from the Backlog, and I listen to that podcast all the time. And I also listen to the Pre-Order Bonus Podcast, so it's really nice that um, two podcasters of shows that I listen to have decided to support Gaming in the Wild. I really appreciate it, so thanks very much to Dave, and thanks to the Pre-Order Bonus podcast. One of the perks of being a patron of this show is that you get invited to the Discord where there's a whole bunch of people just talking about games all day every day, talking about what they're playing, recommending things, flagging up sales, helping each other out when they're stuck, sharing all kinds of fun stuff. So if you'd like to come and join us in that Discord, it's growing all the time and it's a really nice bunch of people. It's a very calm and mellow... Corner of the internet. Everyone is very, very nice to each other. It's just the nicest corner of the internet. I'm in there every day talking about the games I'm playing too. If you'd like to join us, you can become a patron of the show. That's at Patreon.com/slash Gaming in the Wild, and I'll put a link to that in the description. I will also mention that I was a guest on the Pre-Order Bonus Podcast this last week, talking about Stray. Um, we did a deep dive into that me and Jake one of the hosts of that show. We meant to talk for half an hour, we talked for an hour and a half and we went through all kinds of aspects of stray and and it was a really great chat. So thanks very much to Jake for having me on. And if you would like to hear that, I will put a link to that in the description as well. So that's all of the housekeeping out of the way. Let's get on to the reviews and talk about Into the Breach. So Into the Breach is a 2018 game by Subset Games, its really it was originally released for Windows and Mac, it's on Linux as well, and it got a Switch release back then too, but it's recently re-entered the, the, the gaming discourse because it arrived on iOS exclusively via Netflix. This is kind of an interesting turn up for the books, the fact that Netflix are basically running an Apple Arcade style selection of games that you get free with your Netflix subscription. You can download them straight onto your iPhone, and the fact that they are doing games like Into the Breach immediately puts them ahead of Apple Arcade, in my view, which has deteriorated an awful lot from the days when we used to get games like Nuts and uh, The Pathless and really interesting games on Apple Arcade. It's a lot of fruit games, a lot of uh, Fruity Ninja, Crossy Road Uh, match-three games and um, like little time-passing games. So the fact that Netflix has Into the Breach, um, an indie classic, I would say, is interesting. And if they're going to go into porting indie classics onto touchscreen, this could be pretty interesting for those of us who like to play on an iPad or on an iPhone. I actually played this one on an iPad. It looked lovely, the pixel art looked great, and the touch controls worked very well. Um, you really just tap a unit that you want to control, tap where you want to go, and then use a touchscreen button interface to do attacks and special moves and all of that kind of stuff. So it worked really well. I mean, if I didn't know, this game could have been designed for touchscreen. It works so well. How Long To Beat has the game at 5.5 hours for the story. Um, That's about how long it took me to complete it. I've just finished my first successful run right before recording. Uh, Metacritic has the game at 90%. It is basically a beloved indie game, I would say. Um, When I did a recent Twitter thread saying, what do you think of as a perfect game? Into the Breach was mentioned several times, including by friend of the show, Brad Galloway, um, and a whole bunch of other people said Into the Breach, and I can see why. Um, it's a game that does what it does well. It doesn't overstay its welcome. Everything it does is is, is well put together. It's got the feeling of a well put together indie game. And I kind of wish I'd played it earlier. I think um, I've always had it on my radar, but I just haven't played a strategy game for so long. Um, and I wasn't really feeling it. Um, But now that I play this game, um, I wish I'd played it sooner. And the devs describe it as Control powerful mechs from the future to defeat an alien threat. Each attempt to save the world presents a new randomly generated challenge in this turn-based strategy game. And my take on this one is that it's a miniature roguelike tactics game in which you use three mechs in small chess-like bouts of turn-based combat Balance attack and defense, and think on your feet in a polished, pristine indie game. So Into the Breach is an isometric, pixel art, uh, turn-based strategy game. You're looking down at the isometric board. There are squares that you can move into. Some of them are taken up by buildings or mountains, things like that, water, terrain. You have three units, you choose where they drop on the map. You can see a few of the enemies. Uh, You're fighting against the Vec. This is an insect alien race. They come out of the ground, so they spawn onto the map, and you have to use your three mechs to try and survive several rounds of combat, uh, by hook or by crook, and it gets kind of interesting the different ways that you can do that. So it's tile-based movement and attacks, using uh, the occasional special ability, trying to outthink the enemy, and just trying to survive, really. And there is a nice little story to the game. It's not very deep, it's pretty uh, surface-level, but there is some nice world-building here. Um, You'll deal with CEOs who rule over the last islands of humanity, you'll get pilots that have personalities that appear in different runs. Um, Because you're in a time loop where the Vec are defeating humanity, and at the end of each run, if you die, you go back in time to try again. And you get a different um, array of pilots, and each pilot comes with a different boon. Um, so it's, it's a roguelike, in essence, where you're going to be repeating the same little gauntlet of battles to try and wipe out the VEC. Uh, but it's got this this time loop story with it. Um, your mech pilots are called Riftwalkers. Um, there are four islands left on the Earth. And the fact that each one is run by a company, which has like a corporate HQ and a CEO that you talk to in little screens between battles, gives it a little cyberpunk element. So there is a little bit of a cyberpunk world here. There's a little bit of a mech battling sci-fi story here and a couple of very, very minimal characters, your pilots that you're going to be controlling in various runs. Um, And the game is presented with an overworld map, with a really cool pixel art UI. You can see the four islands, you unlock them as you play, and you have to beat an island to unlock the next one. But as you open them, you can take them on in different orders. When you click on an island, you zoom in, and you can see that each island is cut into regions. Each region has a mission and a prize. You can see what the prize is, or the bonus that you'll get for defeating it, and you can take those on in any way you want to. And there are quite a few different missions to do. Um, the, it's a risk and reward scenario, so if you see that it has more rewards, it's probably going to be a harder battle. So based on how well you're doing, and what kind of condition you feel that your your squad is in, you can choose if you want to take the easy path or the hard path. Um, each run, climaxes with an assault on the Vec nest, and if you get through that level, then you will complete a run. And each battle unfolds on a single screen, which is nice. It's nice and concise, like everything in this game. You can see everything on a single screen, different obstacles each time, different features. Sometimes there'll be rivers, sometimes there'll be ice, sometimes there'll be ice that you can fall through if a shell falls on it. Um, And so you have to consider the terrain. There are civilian buildings that you have to defend. If a civilian building is taken out, you will lose a lightning bolt of your energy. The power grid will go down by one lightning bolt, And this is a kind of a meta health bar that will come with you from battle to battle. If you lose your entire power grid, I think you have seven or eight. Each time a civilian building is taken out, you lose one. Um, And if it gets down to zero, then it's game over. So this is a meta health bar that travels with you through your run. Um, And you can recharge it at the end of each island by spending some currency that you get and things like that. And there is a lot of thinking about balance in this game. Like, is it going to serve you well to be really aggressive? Is it going to serve you to try and carry out some risky optional aims for greater rewards on a map, or do you just want to get through the battle? Because at the end of three or four or five turns, depending on which point of the game you're in, the round will be over. And all you really have to do is survive. Um, If you lose all of your mechs, you die. If your power grid gets down to zero, you die. Um, But you can limp through, lose a couple mechs, and have one power bar left. Um, And that means that in the next round, You cannot lose a building or it will be game over for you. So there is like a variation from run to run. And there are a few different considerations that you have to bear in mind that are going to influence your play style. Um, And for a game that is so compact, there is quite a lot going on here. Um, I hope that you're understanding uh, what I'm trying to describe here. There are quite a few systems at play. But the combat itself is quite easy to understand. You start with three um, different mechs. You can drop them down onto the map and arrange them in a way that you consider to be advantageous. You have a, a melee mech, which can deliver attacks to adjacent squares, powerful punches, and it pushes enemies back, which is very, very useful. More on that later. You also have two different artillery mechs. One of them is like a tank that delivers a long shot One of them is a piece of artillery that launches something over. It can shoot over mountains and drop a shell onto enemies. The shell explodes and it will also push enemies, which is sometimes the most useful thing to do. Um, I think it took me a while to realise that, but... It's not just about defeating the vec it's about pushing them so that their attacks land on an empty space instead of a civilian building, or something that you're trying to defend. So the game has got a survival element to it, it's got a defence element to it, and it's also got this roguelike element to it, and then it's played out on these, uh, these turn-based maps. You can also choose to spend currency in different ways to power yourself up. So there's there's quite a lot of gameplay here to get your teeth into. It took me a while to get oriented in all of these systems. Um, that's one of my minor criticisms of the game, is that I felt like I really had to find my own way into these systems, and I didn't really employ them fully at first. Um, and by the time I realized what a few of them were, I kind of face palmed and thought, wow, I've just been dying and dying, um, but I wasn't using all of the systems that the game has. Um, I do think that you can unlock different kinds of units. I haven't as yet, um, but now that I've done a successful run, I actually closed my iPad as the credits were rolling, so maybe when I open it again, um, Into the Breach is going to have a, a new challenge for me to incentivize me to play it again. And the structure is that when you land on an island, you'll talk to that CEO, they'll tell you the situation on the island, Um, you'll pick the missions you want to do, hopefully you'll win those battles, then after you've won four, there is like um, a final boss battle on each island where you have to do a specific mission to guard the corporate HQ and to defeat the enemy leader. Um, They're not really boss battles, Um, the enemy leaders are really just more powerful versions of units that you've seen before, for example, Maybe they strike in all adjacent squares, or maybe they strike four squares in front of them hard, enough to knock down a building or take out a mech in a single blow. So there's some crowd control to do in those final battles. Um, And when you've completed it, you get to spend all of the currency that you've earned Um, And then you move on to the next island. There is a desert island, there's a snow island, there's a grassy island and so forth. Then there is a final volcano where the Vec Hive is. Um, And it's up to you um, how you want to take it because as long as you've completed two islands, you can go straight for the Vec Hive if you feel like you're on a good run or you just want to finish the game off but you can try to take out all four islands before taking the Vec Hive. I guess it's a little bit like in Slay the Spire... Um, you can just finish a run, beat the boss and, and uh, complete your run or you can play for that little extra um, that little extra boss battle that you can strive for that's incredibly hard at the very end. I've got a feeling that into the breach might have something like that where if you take out all four islands you'll get an extra challenge or something like that. I think that completing my first run is is not the end of the game <laughs> I'll, I'll put it that way. And it does get pretty challenging, I will say. Um, the first island is pretty easy, but once you're oriented in how the game works, in pushing enemies, in survival, in using the different abilities of your three different types of unit to the to the best advantage, um, once you're at that basic level, which does take, I would say, a couple hours to really get your head around it, even though it's quite a simple game, um, you can you can try and take out those four islands if you want. Difficulty ramps pretty hard. I haven't yet unlocked the fourth island, despite rolling credits. Because you don't have to. You can just go straight for the Vec Hive. And I think the thing that I found most interesting about this, this turn-based battle system is the variety of missions. The fact that it's not just about winning. Like, um, the fact that there are aims, like optional aims, for example. Defend a power station, or break a dam, or... Um, defend two rockets as they are taking off. Um, If you can manage to fulfill those aims, you'll get extra uh, equipment, or you'll get a new pilot, or you'll get power-ups, reactor cores, things that you can spend on improving your mechs between the battles. Um, But really, you just have to survive. If you survive three, four, or five turns, depending on what kind of battle it is, you'll progress. Um, But those those power-ups that you get will really make or break your run. And so there's a lot of risk and reward here. I like that there is a lot of different types of battle. Sometimes you are defending something against an onslaught. Sometimes there are um, storms that will take out um, an area in each turn. So you have to avoid those whilst trying to protect all the buildings and so forth. And what you're doing in those missions depends really on the state of your squad. If you desperately need to, for example, refill your power grid, then you might stretch extra far to try and complete that optional mission and refill your power grid by one bar just to try and survive in the game. So it's quite dynamic from run to run in a way that I quite liked. still just getting into the the full extent of all the power-ups you can get, but I enjoyed the power-ups too. I like that there are passive power-ups, for example, um, your melee bot can now charge any distance before punching in a straight line, or uh, when your power grid gets down to one bar and you're at death's door, every building suddenly gets a shield, which gives it one free hit before it's destroyed. Um, I got one power-up on my winning run just now that allowed my melee mech to move and then jump and wherever it landed, it would push away all adjacent squares, which was just OP. It helped me through that winning run. It meant that I could save a couple of buildings just by jumping and pushing enemies away. If you push an enemy away, you can see the square that it's going to attack, but if you nudge it to the side by planting a a shell next to it rather than hitting it or attacking it or jumping, if you had this power-up that I had, you can fend off those attacks and just make them ineffective. Um, The same goes for these different kinds of VEC. There's a a, a beetle that will charge at a building and just mash it. But if you can nudge the beetle to one side, you can make it charge into a mountain instead. Um, There is also impact damage. So if you punch uh, a VEC into a mountain, then it will take an extra point of damage. Um, Sometimes the VEC will web your mech so you can't move and then you have to free it if it's a mech that you are planning on using for an important um, move, you can use one of your others to free it and then move it. So there's a lot of different strategy at play here. Um, and for a simple game, it gets quite deep. You can also just power up your mechs um, with these reactor cores that you get to open up new weapon abilities, get extra health, be able to move faster, that kind of thing. So there is room for customization here, um, and it's really enjoyable. It's quite addictive, and there's a lot to do in this game. I would say that on the good side, it's a very concise game. Nothing is out of place, not hair out of place. The art style is good. I liked the, um, the board game feel and the chess-like feel. I felt that there was, there was some head-scratching situations sometimes where I really had to um, think twice. You can, you can sort of draft a move and then undo it before you've attacked if you, th- if you could think you can see a better way out of the situation. So there's a lot of room for strategy here. I enjoyed the world building, I enjoyed the aesthetic, um, the pixel art is really excellent, the, the UI is excellent. This is a very well polished, um, put together game. Um, it was flawless, it ran flawlessly, there were no bugs, it's just it's a little beauty really. Um, the bad things uh, for me were that in my first few runs I didn't realise the extent of the power-ups. Um, you have to drag pilots into mechs to make to get those uh, pilot boons, and I was not getting that. I had to touch and drag, um, so the touchscreen controls are perhaps under tutorialized. Um, I wasn't using my power-ups basically, and that was a bit of a frustration for me when I finally realised that I could have been having a much easier time. Um, I would say the difficulty ramps up pretty hard. Um, If you want those third and fourth islands, you're going to have a challenge on your hands, and it can feel a little unforgiving. I didn't realise that I could go straight for the Vec Hive, and as soon as I realised that I could do it without unlocking all four islands, I just completed it on my first try on easy mode. Um, but even easy mode is is pretty hard going, I would say. It's not that easy. I will also say that I was quite surprised that there are only four islands. I was under the impression that when I completed that first overworld map, I would move on to the next one, and that the game would go on and on. But it is a, a true roguelike. Um, there are only four islands, and the challenge is in doing them in different ways. And on different difficulties, I guess. So it's it's more like a run-based game where you're going to be playing a slightly different version of the game each time, of the same game each time, rather than a, a long game that has progression to it. And that surprised me a little bit. I was kind of expecting more worlds, but it's just a very small puzzle box of a game. And it is what it is. Um, and so my summary of that one is that... Don't be put off by the fact that it's a strategy game, I would say. If you're someone that doesn't normally play strategy games, um, just treat Into the Breach as an indie game that one should play. It's one of those things that is always on sale in the Switch store. And if you have Netflix, you have access to it for free now on an iOS device. I think this is a very well-put-together game. It's really fun. And much like I would recommend games like Inscription or Signs of the Sojourner or Griftlands as just very very good video games that people should play even if they don't like deck builders or they don't like card-based video games or they're not familiar with that genre. um, I would say in the same way I would recommend Into the Breach to anyone that likes good video games especially indie games Um, even if you're not a strategy game player give this one a try. That's a really good game that's Into the Breach. The second game I'm gonna talk about today doesn't have any music in it, so if you're wondering why this lovely piece of music is playing from Death's Door, that's why um, I just thought I would use something nice while I talk about Power Wash Simulator. This is a 2022 game by Future Labs, published by Square Enix for some reason. It's available on Game Pass and Windows. It currently has a score on Metacritic of 76, um, which is kind of on the money. Um, it's a game that's perfect to what it does, but it's not huge in scope. It does one thing very well, and I think that that kind of cuts both ways. Um, How long to beat has it at 26 hours, so it's a sizeable game. Um, This checks out. I'm at 20 hours in now, which is amazing to me that I've sunk so much time into this game. Um, And I have a handful of jobs left, so yeah, 26 hunts about right. And the devs say about this game, release the pressure with Power Wash Simulator. Wash away your worries with the soothing sounds of high pressure water. Fire up your power washer and blast away every speck of dirt and grime you can find. Build your own power washing business, unlock new tools, all with the simple satisfaction of power washing to a sparkling finish. And I have to say about this one, that it's a bizarrely addictive dad game in which you clean an ever-growing array of dirt-encrusted locations and vehicles, zoning out to the soothing hiss of your pressure washer. And I guess this game belongs to a certain lineage of games, for example, Lawn Mowing Simulator and Farming Simulator. It's definitely in that vein of uh, Chorecore games, is something that I heard it described as by Skillet. Uh, Chorecore is a really funny way to to label these games. You're just carrying out like a repetitive basic activity. It's almost like a tidying simulator or something like that, you know. And certain types of people extract enjoyment from putting things in order, from cleaning, from um, doing the kind of things that you do in these games, from repetitive activities. And I am a little bit one of those people. I do find that cleaning uh, can soothe my mind. If I have a messy house, um, it adds to anxiety for me for sure. And if I am feeling anxiety, then sometimes cleaning and tidying, um, putting things on shelves, dusting, getting my house in a nice order, making everything feel lovely and comfortable and clean, it can really calm me down. So I think that to my surprise, I find myself in the demographic of people that is enjoying Power Simulator. Um, also, it's had a lot of buzz since it came out. I think people have given this one a try. Some people because it was published by Square Enix. Some people because it was free on Game Pass. And, and some people because they like these simulator games, you know. So there's there's quite a, a wide cross-section of people giving this one a try. And people are really into it. The, the Steam reviews are great. And I guess this game is becoming a little bit of a cult hit this year. Um, and I will say that the people who made this game are clearly really into this power washing thing. I've never picked up a power washer in my life, um, but you can see from the detail in this game that they really care about this, that they that they like to, to use power washers. Um, the way that the water makes different sounds when it hits wood or plastic or metal, the way that the intensity of the sound, the hiss of the hose, will increase based on if you're using like a lush, soft spray with a wide fan. Or, um, and it will patter like rain almost through to a, a super aggressive hiss if you're using the highest pressure. Um, the way that different types of dirt will bubble or dilute or like black grime will kind of um, flow with the water um, or stays stubbornly present um, or gum will just stay there until you really, really notch up the pressure. The, the devs have put a lot of attention Um, ...and detail and love into this game. And for such a dry, strange concept... ...I will say that it's executed to a really high level. Um, But what is Power Power Wash Simulator? It's a first-person game... Uh, you are shooting, so I guess it's like a, a first-person shooter, except you're shooting a hose. and um, You're shooting at dirt instead of zombie Nazis or whatever. Maybe it's like a first-person cleaning game, first-person cleaner. Maybe it's the first first-person cleaner. Uh, it could have coined a whole new genre. Um, you can see your hand in front of you. You can see the hose that you're holding and the nozzle that you're using. And you arrive at locations that are dirt-encrusted, absolutely. Absolutely disgusting. They are very small and they start off quite small. For example, a child's play park or um, a simple car in a garage and you just have to clean the car. You have to use the hoses that you have, the nozzles that you have. Uh, You have to wipe away all of the dirt. Um, there is a weapon wheel that you can use to, to use your various extenders to reach further, the soap nozzle to get away uh, more stubborn dirt, uh, the pressure hose and that kind of thing. And away you go. It's a pretty simple game. It's Visually, I would say it belongs somewhere alongside like a portal type game. It's got that, that Valve-y polygon feel to it, that first-person feel. Um, There's a little bit of physics in here. For example, if you see a ball, you can spray it and it will bounce away. There's little amusements in the levels. Um, But the structure of the game is kind of interesting. There is a career mode in this game. There's a very loose story in which you're starting out um, to do a a cleaning business... And you'll be texted about each job. You can pull up your tablet to look at the details of the job. You'll get messages from your client telling you about the things that you're cleaning. For example, if it's an old uh, camper van, maybe it's an old person who has had lots of adventures in this van and they'll text you occasionally. As you pass milestones in the cleaning job, you'll get texts that will appear on the screen. Um, It's very low-key and it's a point of interest, but it does add a little something. Um, Each job earns money, and then you can spend that money on better equipment. And you will need that equipment because some of the later stages require more powerful hoses, or they require you to be able to reach higher. For example, if you're trying to spray graffiti off a building that is behind a fence and you're not allowed onto the grounds. you need to be able to shoot from really far, so you're going to need an, a special extender nozzle. Um, you can cu- quit out of a level if you don't have the right equipment and go and do other jobs to earn more money, um, but when you complete big jobs, new ones will appear. I think there are 18 scenes to clean, um, and there's a bunch of vehicles and special missions too. And that's really it. So, there's this little career mode, there's the tablet to look at, there's a shop where you can spend your money, different jobs to accept. Then you go into the first-person mode, and you're confronted by these absolutely grimy scenes where something is just caked in different kinds of mud. You have to try out your different hose nozzles. For example, I think my favourite level was the skate park, because my favourite thing to do in this game is to use a really wide, soft spray and then to just fan it across a large flat area and just see all of the dirt disappear. A little bit like if you're using a squeegee on a dirty uh, windscreen, except you're spraying, so you get that gentle burble of the water in the hose. You get the uh, the rain sound of the drops hitting. And so for me, the skate park level was the most fun because I got to use the biggest, widest angle hose um, and I got to sweep away huge swathes of dirt every time that I would turn. Um, some of the jobs are more fiddly. For example, if you get um, a motorbike with a sidecar, you will need to really get under the hubcaps. You'll need to spray inside the sidecar, under the seats. You'll need to use a power hose on the the mirrors, which are the most encrusted. Glass cleans differently compared to plastic, which cleans differently compared to metal. Um, For really stubborn areas, you can buy cleaning fluid, although it's in short supply, so you have to use it wisely. And as you are completing each mission, um, each job rather, there is a clever little system. There are a couple of clever... Little systems actually that give you a sense of progression and that help you along. Because if you're just spraying this this video game world and cleaning, you might think there would be little pixels of dirt left here and there, or just things that you just don't notice, or things that are hidden in the environment. And while those things are true, and I will talk about my my couple of peeves with the game uh, later, I will say that the progress that you make in each job is very well executed. It's very well planned. Um, each object in each world is itemized and you can pull up your tablet at any time and see the itemized list of all the things that you have to clean. Each one has a percentage mark of how clean it is. For example, if you are cleaning a motorbike, you will have mirrors, you'll have hubcaps, you'll have tires, you'll have the saddle, you'll have the transmission, suspension, the engine, the fuel tank. And you can see that the fuel tank is 60% completed, and then you know that you need to go back to that fuel tank to finish it off. Um, you can select individual items which will glow, they'll flash in world, so you can find them. And every time you complete one, it will flash in world and you'll see the money going into your account, so you're earning by component. So as you're sweeping your hose across things, you'll be completing things all the time. For example, if you're hosing down a house, You might hose down a couple windows, they flash, you know they're completed. The window frames, and then down to the skirting board and up to the gutter. Um, If you have to get onto the roof, you can use a ladder or a stool or a kind of a climbing frame scaffold to get to really high places. And so you get like a feeling of progression as you're playing. The jobs are cut down into these morsel-sized sense of achievement that you get. So you're really being fed achievement constantly in a way that is pretty cool um, and kind of addictive, actually. And it helps to manage the tasks, you know, to to see where you're going to start and to see your path through each job. Um, You can also tap right on the D-pad and it will reveal all of the grime, Um, it will flash orange. So if you're looking at a window that looks clean, but if you push right, um, you might see some orange grime that has escaped your eye, and you'll know that you have to spray there harder, or use some soap or something like that. So those couple of mechanics really help you along. I would say that my only real beef with this game, because it is very simple, and I've kind of said what there is to say about it, is that if you're doing a huge map, and they do get really huge, there's like a massive fire station and a fire tower, which has got all kinds of, uh, you know, vents and ducts and different doors, and um, there's just so much of it, it's huge, Um, and if you're doing a huge map like that. And then you've only got, you know, you think it looks clean, but it's the job isn't completing. You go into the itemized list and it says, you know, outer wall 99%. And then you click that on the itemized list and the entire wall of the whole building will flash. And you're like, well, God, what am I supposed to do? Like hose down the whole thing again? It's just one giant wall. Like, and I've missed a pixel of dirt somewhere. Um, And sometimes, when you have like a couple of bits of wood left, like a fence post or something, and there are, you know, 30 fence posts in this environment, you have to walk around and look at them all. Um, maybe you can see one flashing, but sometimes you just can't get that final pixel. So there was a little bit of frustration at the end there. Sometimes the game seems a little bit picky. Maybe if there is like one tiny pixel of dirt left, it could just complete that object for you, you know? Or maybe if there was something like a sonar that could help you hone in on where the dirt is, um, or like a I don't know a little compass that points you in the right direction if you're in one of the huge environments. That could go a long way, Um, but as it stands, um, this is a pretty good game. This is very relaxing. I really got into the zone with it. Um, Sometimes I would sit down to play 10 minutes of it and realise that I'd played for two hours. It's just very soothing. It's perfect to have a football game on your iPad and be playing it on the screen or to be listening to a podcast while you play. Um, there, there, There is no music in this game, there is just the hiss of the hose. Um, it's very very soothing and it's ticking the boxes for me So I've been playing this one, listening to loads of podcasts, watching YouTube And to my surprise I've just had an absolutely great time with this one I'm definitely going to play through and finish it I'm, I'm near the finish line now I guess I think I only have a couple more environments to clean I think this is a really solid game It's, it's more soothing than I ever would have expected That's Power Wash Simulator So that's our episode this week. I hope you enjoyed hearing about those two games. Into the Breach was great. Power Wash Simulator, just the strangest game that I will recommend this year. Um, I'm not like someone that enjoys handyman stuff, you know, and then here I am playing this total dad game, just much to my surprise. But what can I say? It's it's really fun. I'm having a good time with it. I would love to hear if you have played Power Wars Simulator or what you think of that genre of games, and also if you're an Into the Breach veteran, I'd love to hear from you too. Um, let me know what I'm in for. Let me know if I have more runs to look forward to. You can find me on social media. I'm Gaming in the Wild on Twitter, Facebook, Twitch, YouTube, everywhere, Instagram too. Uh, Twitter is my main place, though. There is also the Patreon for people that want to support the show and join the Discord community. That's patreon.com slash gaming in the wild. I also very much appreciate people that will leave a Spotify rating or an iTunes review if you're listening on Apple podcasts. I really appreciate all of that stuff, it um, helps other people find the show and it gives me a little boost, lets me know that people out there are listening and enjoying the show. And I love talking to people about games, so just hit me up on Twitter, I'd love to hear from you. Um, Thanks very much for listening, I'll be back next week with a new show. Maybe it will be about Final Fantasy, maybe it will be about hindsight, maybe it will be about something else completely. Thanks very much for listening, take care of yourselves and each other, and bye-bye for now.